Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. If you've resolved to take on a new challenge, like starting a business, changing careers, or launching a creative project in 2017, lock down your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace has award-winning templates. Creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code BINGE to get 10% off your first purchase, plus a free domain. That's B-I-N-G-E for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. Welcome back to Entertainment Weekly's binge of Friday Night Lights. We have made it to the final full season, season five. I am one of your hosts, Slammin' Sammy Highfill. And I am Gray Darren, a new cast member added this season who seems like he's going to be very important. Spoiler alert, eh, he's not really quite as important as we thought. Uh, Sam, (laughs) we've made it. This is the final season of Friday Night Lights. It's not our final episode of our binge. We're going to come back next week for a full deep dive into the series finale, one of the greatest and most emotional and most emotionally ruinous uh, series finales of all time. Uh, But we're going to dive deep into season five this week. So much to dig into with the new characters we met in season four, with our longest running characters. Uh, We're going to be covering a little bit of everything leading up to uh, the final episode. We're going to save that for next week. But Sam, I think we should start off with a character who we can all agree is the most important character in Friday Night Lights. I'm talking, of course, about Julie Taylor. Uh, Now, Sam, you know, you've been with me on this journey. You know I've been a a big Julie Taylor defender, pro-Julie, team Julie, Mm -hmm. you might say. This is the season where a lot of people have some issues with her, and uh, I kind of came into the rewatch uh, anticipating uh, how I was going to defend the Julie Taylor goes to college and sleeps with her TA storyline. <laughs> it, it's, it's a tough one to defend. We all make mistakes, that's for sure, um, but uh, it, it's definitely in a season that is really successful in a lot of ways. It feels like one of the less successful attempts to kind of follow a character on a journey that's very far from sort of the core of the show. But I don't know, did you have any kind of new thoughts about how the show kind of kept up with Julie, uh, you know, rewatching it this time around? It's interesting. And maybe it says a little bit about my morals as a human being. But I think I had a bigger issue with Julie in season two than I do with Julie sleeping with a married TA. Is it bad? Yes, guys, don't sleep with married people. But I felt like it was less of her being just kind of mean and an annoying teenage girl and more of her kind of finding herself in the situation where she liked a guy and he ended up being married and it wasn't a good thing. But I do, I actually, it is easier for me to relate to this character. I am not saying that I have slept with a married person. I'm just saying that this storyline was a little bit more like on my level than just annoying teen. I love a Swede, Julie. And, you know, season five, it's interesting. They kind of saved it for the end. There's a lot of issues within the Taylor family this season. You know, obviously we have the big Eric Tammy clash that we can talk about later, but watching Eric deal with this and watching him kind of see Julie in this new light, I found myself thinking a lot about his reaction to 
when Julie let her dad believe that Riggins had tried to sleep with her and when she finally came clean and his response was simply, damn, Julie, damn. And then he walked out and you flash forward to this and it's like, Eric doesn't even have the words. He's breaking taillights with a children's toy. And so I really liked it for those purposes of getting to see the two of them kind of clash. Yeah, th- there's a great payoff. And I want to be very clear. I'm not like anti-Julie in this situation. Obviously, she's a character who's very near and dear to my heart. But it is just like the character of Derek Bishop, the TA, is one of the most like malevolent figures in the show's history. <laughs> but malevolent in a very interesting way because, you know, as you said, Sam, I think the reason why the storyline works, like, I'm putting that in in heavy quote marks here, is that, like, when they first get together, you're very much seeing it from kind of Julie's perspective. And, like, you know, she's new, she's away at college. This is a guy who is the polar opposite of everyone that she has ever known in Dylan. He's, like, you know, kind of Mr. Academia. And, you know, in a way that does kind of harken back to that season two plot line, you're very aware that, like, she's much kind of like admires who he is and who he represents as like anything particular about him. And then, you know, he turns out to be just an abominable figure, but it all does sort of pay off in that scene you're talking about when he visits the Taylor household, like Eric Taylor, who generally speaking manages to contain his rage in like pretty remarkable uh, circumstances. Like the look on his face when he sees that guy is something that I will definitely like take to my grave. You know, the other reason why this storyline is just not as successful and it's especially noticeable I think just because so many other things happening this season are like as good as the show would ever be and as complicated as the show would ever be is this is the one time the show kind of starts doing what a lot of teen shows would do which is basically like do everything with characters except just let them go to college. Like, she has the sort of incident with the TA. The TA's wife comes in in one of the craziest and most, like, 80s soap opera moments the show would ever do. She's not, by the way. Your husband is a slut. That's who the slut is, lady. But, you know, she leaves She leaves college. She kind of returns home for a while. She has that incident with the mailbox. Uh, then she kind of goes up to Chicago and has the single episode with, with Matt. And it just it feels like the show is trying to kind of create this idea that she doesn't know what she's doing, which is cool and which totally ties in with a lot of feelings of being 18, being 19. But it also kind of creates the feeling that the show itself maybe doesn't quite know what to do with her anymore. But, you know, hey, listen... Matt seems to be having a great time in Chicago. Chicago looks cool. They're going out to parties. They're having they're having dinners with like you know with, with white wine. They're eighteen. Where's all the where's all the kegs? Dude? Where's all the natty light? <laughs> uh, but so yeah, it's not it's not the most successful uh, part of of the season. I, I think it's fair to say. I will just point out, Darren, since you love Julie so much, this is a character who at this point has gotten slapped twice by two different adult women so you know i know i know and yet she's so sensitive it's it's never her fault that's okay the thing. you know whose fault it is society uh speaking of people who are uh, at the mercy of society to a certain extent uh i want to dig in deep here sam uh to a plot line that is 
way more successful, and I'm sure uh, you've thought about quite a bit, given your fascination mm-hmm. with the family, the Riggins family <laughs> in season five. I mean, it, it, this is almost, in a weird way, even though Tim is in this season least of all, this is like the Riggins season to a certain extent, right? Like, not, mm-hmm. not least because by the end of the season, the size of the family has expanded considerably. <laughs> It is really interesting because you see Billy and Mindy in this new light. You see them taking care of Becky now that Tim is in prison and wearing all white, which is that a thing in prison? I mean, I'm for it. He looks it works with his complexion. It's better than orange. I'm saying that much. But you see them kind of really mature and become parental figures. Maybe not the best parental figures, as we'll get to in one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. Maybe my favorite scene of the entire series. I don't know. Maybe I'll go there. But watching Billy Especially I feel like the entire coaching storyline with Billy is such a big moment for them because this is a guy that, I mean, we've just watched. I would say we've watched him struggle, but that's just Billy living. Billy's life is a struggle, and he's been kind of trying to find his way for all these years. And so to see him become a coach at East Dillon, and you know what? Not be terrible at it is huge for him. Everybody listen up. Um, the coach ain't here, um, I ain't coach, so this is what you get. Man, it's, it's Friday night. It's Friday night in our house. And these fellas in the locker room next to us, they want to come in here and they want to dance around on our field and think they can walk off with a win. They want to have a party in our house. Well, I say we give them a fist fight. I say we go out there and we play 48 minutes of lion football. Like we know how to play. And we leave it all on the field tonight. So you cinch up your laces. Put more tape on your hands if you need it. And you make sure that helmet's on good and tight. And you hurt the first son of a bitch you see tonight. Let's go kick some ass. Good job. Gentlemen, I apologize for being late. Let's go play some football. And while I have a lot of grievances with Billy, which we'll get to, we actually spoke to Derek Phillips about this moment for Billy and what it meant in his trajectory. There was a scene where a coach um, was, was late to one of the games, and Billy had to give this speech to all the players before you know they went out there to play the game. And uh, I think we saw in that scene that, hey, man, maybe he's actually good at this, you know? So for the first time, he wasn't just a joke. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. He could actually maybe be a decent coach. Um, and I kind of wanted the audience to feel that way at that point. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be coach-coach, but I think there's potential for Billy to, you know, maybe one day wind up being the East Dillon Lions coach when they, you know, gerrymander the district back to a different place (laughs) 
this season, in a lot of ways, has some of the most subtle storytelling that the show would ever have. There's this interesting kind of slow burn of tension on the coaching staff in season five that happens very gradually. And, you know, Billy is just, like, so aggressive and, and passionate, extremely passionate. Um, and, you know, he's I love the sequences where he's teaching the kids. Uh, the I think it's a Maori war cry that he's teaching them, actually, that the uh, rugby team from New Zealand, uh, you know, often does. Um, but then, like, you know, Coach Crowley clearly kind of feels like, you know, he, he seems very frustrated with that. And there's this interesting sort of conversation about, like, you know, what kind of game are they going to be playing and how that sort of plays into the arc of the Lions this season is really interesting. Like, I feel like this is really the first year where in the show's perspective on its football team, as the team does better and better, like that actually seems to be worse and worse for the characters. And I love how Billy is very much at the center of that. And now he's kind of almost learning to be a better man as he's kind of setting off on this journey. And I just think that, you know, what we get with, it's interesting because with Billy and Mindy both, these were characters who were total supporting characters, and you, you might have almost said they were sort of sidekicks for the primary characters in earlier seasons. And bringing them together, I mean, like, Mindy as just this, this incredible kind of maternal like, presence in this season is, is so great. And the fact that, like, you know, there's that early episode where, like, Becky's out late and, like, Mindy and Billy are, like, you know, up late worrying about her. Like, there's almost this interesting s story going on with the two of them where you're kind of like, oh, like, are they going to someday be, like, the new Mr. and Mrs. Coach? Like, is this sort of, like, the origin story of, like, you know, will 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 Billy somehow miraculously become, like, the next Coach Taylor many, many years down the line? And I just think that, you know, to do that with those characters who had initially seemed, you know, goofy, frankly, is, is really remarkable, and it speaks to how good both the actors are. Um, and then, you know, it's great that right into the thick of this, at, as the season winds down, Tim returns. And he is, like, a changed man. I mean, like, that first shot of him, Sam, you, you kind of mentioned this, but we see him a little bit in, in the premiere looking just, like, very reserved. The shot of him kind of waiting to go in for his hearing, it's just kind of like, whoa, like, who is this guy? Like, he's dressed in white. He's very still. He's, like, not talking, but not in the sort of beautiful brooding way he used to not talk. Like, he seems really changed by the experience which is it's kind of gut-wrenching right like you're very aware that like all right this is not this is not the same guy who went away last year yeah he's a hollowed out version of Tim in so many ways and it is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever had to watch because we've talked every episode of this podcast about what a character Tim Riggins is and he just loved life you know he loved a very simple life and a very specific life but he loved it he was Mr. No Regrets Mr. Let's Make Some Memories and now he's filled with uh, at least one very big regret I think it's safe to say I don't maybe he doesn't regret it but there are definitely moments but to see him struggle I mean it is one of the hardest things to watch but they also do it in a way in which I can watch it which I think doesn't sound like a compliment but really is for someone who loves Tim Riggins as much as I do and that points to what I was talking about earlier my possibly my favorite scene in this entire series is when Tim learns that Becky is working at the landing strip and he gets very angry obviously he and Billy go outside into the parking lot and it is just 
I mean, two gut-wrenching performances from both Derek Phillips and Taylor Kitsch. When he shoves Billy up against that car and says, we had a deal, I screw up my life, you fix yours. I mean, oh my, it was just so (laughs) devastating, but so beautifully played. And it's only like 30 seconds long, but I think it's maybe the most powerful 30 seconds in the season, maybe the series. I just love it so much. Yeah, well, because I mean, what you're saying, it gets to the core of why I think this season is so great. I mean, like, you know, there's a sense in the earlier episodes that it kind of feels like, you know, they're, they're casting about in a lot of different directions. We mentioned Hastings Ruckle and, you know, just all these kind of different ideas they're aiming for. And, and it feels like to me, as the season winds down, you become very aware that like, okay, this show is really going to test its central relationships. And you get that so much in that scene you're talking about, Sam. Like, the Riggins brothers, as much as they have, like, fought, to a certain extent, like, it's very much kind of like, you know, that they're always in a state of fighting, having fought, or about to be fighting. There's something different about that moment because you're just aware that, like, everything that that they've ever done together is really at risk to a certain extent. And that leads in so well into, um, I believe it's in the same episode, where there's the the idea put out that Tim is going to move to Alaska. And I like how on this show, moving to Alaska is like, that is just so completely the opposite of what everyone on some level knows he should be doing. And so when he said that, it just feels like, it feels like it's basically Tim Riggins saying like, I've lost faith in this show. Like I've lost faith in everything that defined me. And it's really beautifully wrenching. And the way that it plays out, you know, between him and Billy and between Derek Phillips and Taylor Kitsch, two actors who just like really to me are, are, are that duo is about as close as you can get to, uh, you know, to, to, to the Eric Tammy dynamic of just feeling so lived in and so emotional and so true. And like, you know, it feels as if there's actual genuine, uh, there's an actual genuine relationship there, you know, in a way that the show is just so great at conjuring. So seeing that tested is wrenching and horrifying and have it happen so close to the end of the show. is just like, Oh my God, like what, what can possibly happen between those two? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like we also need to touch on the end of that arc, obviously. Episode 12, Tyra returns. She's got darker hair, which I feel like oddly mirrors Riggins' darker, like, aura? Am I going there? Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. (laughs) He's darker now. He's been to prison. But it is... You know, just on a strictly relationship level, you know, I've said on this podcast that I was Tim and Lila, and don't get me wrong, I still am, but it was this really interesting moment where the post-prison version of Tim, it entirely made sense that Tyra was the one to come back and to be the person that he could talk to and maybe rekindle things with who knows but how did you feel as such a big fan of Tyra about kind of this version of her when she comes back I think that this season would be not nearly as good In fact, I'm going to go one step further. I'm not sure the final act of Friday Night Lights would work as well as it does if Adrian Palicki hadn't have come back for this sort of final... It's not really a closing out of an arc so much as just... I feel like she returns, and as you said, Sam, there's just a a difference to her. It's the hair to a certain extent. It's the fact that, like, you can kind of tell in a way that the show does very well, like, 
whenever one of the earlier uh, main characters from the show returns, there's always this quality that they've aged like like five years. You know, like like they seem more grown up. They you know they've clearly sort of you know gone to that world outside of Dylan, and it's changed them. And to a certain extent, it's it's made them more worldly, but it's also made them kind of appreciate Dylan in a different way. And I just think that. You know, a lot of that just plays out so well in those scenes in episode 12 between Adrian Palicki and Taylor Kitsch. And we talked about this a little bit in the earlier episodes. These weren't even necessarily characters who were together for a lot of the show. I mean, them being together as a romance, that dates back to the very earliest episodes. And it was always kind of in danger. And it was very quickly, you know, not necessarily a running thread on the show. And so the idea of kind of seeing the two of them and she's been through so much and you, you're really aware that to a certain extent, like she's going to become that person that she fought so hard to be in the earlier seasons and, you know, clearly is having her own issues and, you know, clearly is kind of looking back on Dylan. You know, the idea of Tyra in episode 12, in the second to last episode of this whole show, Tyra saying that she misses Dylan, like that really means something because she was the one who earlier on would just be like, she was the total skeptic. She wanted out of there. She'd see what had happened to people. And so it almost feels like her relationship with Tim, I don't know, something about it just feels like it's really touching on something really remarkable. And, you know, the fact that they're literally sort of together in the wreckage of their old life. And as she says, Tim is essentially squatting in the airstream that he'd been renting in season four. And something about that, one of the fi- one of those final sequences in uh, episode twelve, when he goes to his land, his land, Sam. This is his land. Ah. God, you, you cannot get more American than this. And they're together there, and it's magic <laughs> hour. I mean, I, I just that really works for me on a purely like poetic level. So I I love it. I mean, it's interesting because obviously. You know, as we discussed in season four, the Tim and Lila relationship has its own sort of final act, which is equally moving. So I don't know, has any other show ever done this where like the two key relationships that one character has on the show both get sort of these sort of beautiful finales? I, I don't know, it's, it's really remarkable. And I think it, as you say, maybe it is just that Tim is such a different character now, but it, it totally works for me. How does it work for you as a, as a Tim and Lila uh, supporter? <laughs> I would just like to point out that you said we cannot get more American than this. And all I thought was you can't get more American than going to prison and then going to live on some land. <laughs> this is this is the American dream. OK, Sam, it's it's not always pretty, but by golly, it's ours. Uh, but I, I mean, you know, how, how do you kind of feel about this? It's, it's an interesting way to bring her back. And I'd be intrigued to know how you kind of see that dynamic coming back so strongly here at the kind of tail end of the show. Yeah, I think my my if I have any pet peeve about Tyra's return, and this is not a major qualm by any means, but it is a discussion my brother and I have had multiple times, is we were both a little bummed that nowhere along the way did she interact with Landry. I think that was kind of my only, you know, leaving this show final season, I would have loved to see something. But there is, you know, speaking to kind of what you were saying, there is this very interesting quality about Tyra where she feels like Tyra, but she also doesn't feel like Tyra in the same way that Tim feels like Tim, but doesn't feel like Tim. And you just instantly get this vibe that these are different people. And it almost feels, I mean, I just don't know as much as I would have loved to have seen, you know, Lila come back in and talk to Tim or maybe Street come in and talk to Tim, there was just something that worked about Tyra being the person who shows up and kind of 
brightens Tim back up a little bit. I mean, he just, he's in such a dark place. He has no one but his brother, really. And his brother is this jerk who didn't hold up his end of the deal as far as he's concerned right now. He needs someone to blame so he doesn't have anyone else just to hang out with, be a person with. And so I really... I really like it. And I really, you know, I have small minor things where I'm like, oh, I wish Tyra had run into so-and-so. But I think, I think it works. And I actually, I think her hair was dyed for another project. But I like to think that they were like, darker hair. You'll see why. Yeah, no, no, I I agree. Uh, So we'll talk about this a little more next week, because I I do think like everything you're saying is is totally spot on. And I, I think it's interesting to kind of discuss what the show thinks them to kind of seeming to at least if not get back together then certainly having this moment it's interesting to to see what that means for the finale can i just say though sam do you remember where the last place we see landry clark is landry clark one of the longest running characters on this show last seen at the landing strip i think getting a last (laughs) (laughs) no it's not is it not? Nope, nope, nope. Or him and house. him and Julie, him and Julie go out for one last night before they go off to college. Landry, I he, this he is one of the most interesting characters on the show, and by golly, Jesse Plemons is such a genius, and I'm so glad that he has had such an incredible career since then. Like his last scene on the show, this is a guy who has had you know him and Tyra had such a kind of incredible dynamic in season four. He was so important. Him and Julie go out for a night of the town, and I swear to God, we last see him at the landing strip just looking like the happiest man alive like it's it's such a fascinating like on a, on a show that gives almost every character an intensely moving send-off it's kind of a wonderful little gag in a way like it's just like all right landry like bye bye keep on being landry we'll see you in those parenthood tie-in web videos someday <laughs> we should move on a little bit to talking about uh the players the dylan lions and the people who are all around them sam um you know this season, the way that the show follows the football team is really interesting. You know, there's that great mission statement early on when Coach Taylor uh, writes the word state on the whiteboard. And I love how that sort of keeps on coming back up throughout the season. Um, to me, as much as Vince was an incredible figure in season four, I think season five is really for me the birth of Michael B. Jordan as a movie star. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the journey that he goes on is super compelling. Again, it's it's a little bit of a... It's almost like the story that... I would have thought we were going to get with Matt Saracen in season one. It's the story of like, here's someone who had to kind of like fight for everything. Now he's got it and it's kind of going to his head and it's kind of wrecking his life. And I I think how that plays out is interesting, but you know, how do you kind of find like, like his character arc and you know, how that relates to Jess and how it relates to everyone in, in his orbit. Yeah. I love, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about, you know, when, coach first went to East Dillon it was this interesting battle of it was kind of East versus East they had to figure out how to beat themselves and how to beat their expectations and everything and then that season evolved into very much so East versus West who's going to win this big game and in season five it's very much so back to East versus East but for very different reasons and a lot of them involve ego this time around and Obviously, we have the addition of Cress Williams as Vince's father. And I just, I think the world of his portrayal and the two of them, as much as he's annoying and I hate what he's doing because he's coming in and pumping Vince up and messing with coaches playing and all these things, the actor just 
plays it so perfectly and i fully he's believe incredible. that we were supposed to hate him he's incredible so i mean like like I, I that is such an incredible performance and i think it, it's an interesting arc too because he kind of comes back and there's a couple early episodes where i mean you hear that a guy has just come out of prison and you know he's kind of coming back and you kind of imagine okay what's going to happen what problems with this cause instead there's some lovely moments between like him and vince him and his family and then there's just that interesting sort of gradual trickle of him kind of like you know getting super invested in vince's success and there's that kind of wonderful episode where they go to that college visit and uh, you know it's great because you're 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 as invigorated as they are like you're just kind of like yeah this place does seem like paradise and Vince's dad has the great line where like these you know this sort of wave of like hot co-eds pass by and he's like I should have gone to college like and it's it's <laughs> it's a lovely moment and then the the kind of duel that takes place between Vince's dad and the coach and between Vince and the coach to a certain extent I think is really interesting I mean it's definitely sort of a bummer of a plot line to a certain extent and like on a show that would so often really have a lot of hope for redemption uh you know what ultimately happens with vince's dad is definitely the opposite of that but at the same time like i think there's a lot of grace there i think there's a lot of grace in the way that vince sort of comes back from that and oh man sam like there's that moment at the tail end of the season after you know they've had just a horrible interaction with vince's dad Vince's mom says, you know, she has to go to a meeting and it's very clear that she's in an emotionally precarious place. Vince gets back from winning a game, looks around for her. When he sees her and they hug, I mean, that that's that for me is an all-time moment on the show. Like, it's just, and it's, it's great. Like, it's very, like, you know, no, this isn't perfect. And, you know, Vince is not coming out of this season in a place where he wanted to be and the family can't necessarily be what it wants to be. But, like, these two are together and that's, I, I don't know, I find that to be maybe that's the sort of redemptive part of the arc. Um, but certainly, I mean, again, to think about what Michael B. Jordan does this season, the fact that you still kind of like him even when he's being, like, a total ass is pretty remarkable, I think. And it definitely speaks to, I don't know, the, the kind of performer that he was and the kind of performer that he was, you know, even at, even at that point starting to become. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. If you have resolved to take on a new challenge like starting a business, changing careers, or launching a creative project in 2017, be sure to lock down your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace is used by a wide range of people and businesses. For example, there's this lovely little place called the Alamo Freeze down in Dillon, Texas. Not only do they serve great fried food, but they have a plethora of soft serve options. Plus, service comes with a smile, sometimes by Smash Williams, sometimes by Matt Saracen. And if you really just are looking for a place to, I don't know, bring a girlfriend and turn her into a fiancé, the Alamo Freeze has your back. And thanks to Squarespace, they've created a website that tells the world all about everything they have to offer. Plus, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code BINGE, that's B-I-N-G-E, to get 10% off your first purchase plus a free domain. That's BINGE for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. (laughs) 
Another moment from that entire plot that might be my favorite Coach Taylor speech of all time. I feel like I'm I'm in the final season, so I'm making huge, huge statements here, but I'm just going to go with it, um, <laughs> is, you know, recently, right after his father gets out of prison, comes back into his life, there's that amazing scene where Vince goes into Coach's office, is very emotional, is just feeling all the pressure. Everyone's telling him, you know, you have to be better than everyone else. You've got to just rise above. And he's really struggling with that. And Coach Eric Taylor gives him what I call the character speech. I first met you. You were climbing out of a police car. People said you were a punk. You'd never last on the field. You know they still believe that? Screw them. I work hard for everything I got. I know you do. Y'all be damn proud about that. I am. I'm proud of you. Your teammates are proud of you. It's about character. It's about striving to be better than everybody else. Coach, my dad just got out of prison. He's staying with me in my house. And I can't stand him. My mom, she asked me to forgive him. To be better. And you're asking me to be better. I don't know how to be better, because he never taught me how. He never taught me how to be better. He's not around. Hey, coach, I'm supposed to be better than this. Fine, I'm coach. supposed to be better. Close that door. writing, the performances, it does not get better than that moment. Yeah, it's so incredible. And I mean, it speaks to something you were kind of talking about earlier about the conflict of this season. You know, season four ultimately was maybe like the most potent external conflict that we ever had on this show. Like to kind of see these characters come together and then unite against like Wes Dillon was just so invigorating. And this season is way more internal. It's way more kind of about like, what kind of person are you going to be? And, you know, from my rudimentary understanding of uh, this thing we call sports, this season it does feel to me as if, you know, it, it kind of glides over any back and forth with other teams. I mean, I, there's a late episode where you literally see them win like three or four games in one episode. And it's it's this kind of interesting storytelling where, you know, it's less about like fighting these other teams and our strategy and more about like what's our internal strategy and how can we sort of, you know, triumph over some of our own misgivings. And I think at one point, you know, when they lose the one game of the season, Slammin' Sammy says, uh, you know, that wasn't a team, that was a group of individuals. And a lot of this season is about how can these people who used to be a team become a team again? And I think that, you know, in that speech, you get a lot of that. I also think that um, the way that like that all kind of plays out alongside of uh, Luke Cafferty's story arc is especially kind of interesting. I mean, when we met Luke, he was sort of like, the next great Dylan player. Certainly that's kind of how he was pitched to us, like someone who was like, had a really bright future and that future was something that he was really depending on. And like, man, Sam, there's just something really 
sort of bittersweet, but also I think really emotionally real about how there's that point in the season where like Luke's just kind of like, I don't know, like, I guess there's a lot of players who are better than me. <laughs> and it's just really, really wrenching. And the way that Matt Loria plays that, because again, like, I think that this is a show where there can be a lot of wish fulfillment. And, you know, we, we see Smash Williams playing on television. He, he's an Aggie. He's apparently had a great <laughs> career. And, you know, there's re there's return of another character we'll talk about in a second. And I like how with Luke Caffrey, it's just kind of like, yeah, like, he's a great high school player and it's probably not going to happen for him. And I, I don't know. That, to me, is maybe one of the more wrenching, sort of very quiet storylines that happens in season five. How do you kind of feel about how stuff plays out with him and with Becky and just with every kind of aspect of, of, of how you know the show kind of winds him down becky and luke are actually oddly like they almost feel like a reality check on this show because you have you have the smash williams and the jason streets and these larger than life scenarios whether it's good or bad they're experiencing these really really dramatic things you have these really dramatic relationships and then you have this high school couple that accidentally gets pregnant and then they somehow find their way back to each other, but they're awkward and cute and adorable. And then if you look at Luke on the football field, like you said, there's just the idea that will happen to, I mean, you know, I'm throwing a percentage out there, but I would say 95% of really good high school players do not go on to become the Smash Williams or the person that Jason Street theoretically would have gone on to become. So it is. It's like Luke and Becky are kind of just this incredibly realistic through line. And by having them as the base, the show can do these other really big dramatic things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like there's that great scene between them where they're out uh, at the at the Cafferty farm and they're kind of like I think they're sitting on the back of, of Luke's truck and Luke's just saying like, you know, I never really liked it here. I always wanted to get out. I thought that was going to be football you know, maybe it's not going to happen. And like, he asked Becky, like, you know, what do you think? Like, would you want to live on a farm? And it's great because, I mean, you know, there's another way the show could have gone where that would have been, like, depressing or that would have been such a bad thing. But it's like, it's like a nice afternoon. Like, you know, you, you sort of see the landscape all around them. Like, Becky is clearly, like, fully invested in him at that point. So I, I don't know. The, the way that plays out, as you say, Sam, it's this great very emotionally true kind of foundation that kind of, you know, it lets us accept some of the kind of, you know, more exciting or more sort of wild uh, job offers. I mean, like, you know, this is this is a season where, like, as it winds down, lots of people keep on getting folders full of destiny. Did you notice that? It's always like, you know, here's, here's, here's your folder for coming and living this, you know, heavenly version of your job. And I just like how with Luke, his version of that is, like, the Division Three school that, you know, plays most of the year in Colorado. I think they say, like, you know, telling him that the fishing is really great around them. And I, I like how that kind of provides us with a nice base off of which some of the more wild elements of the show can really play off of. Yes. And speaking of which, Jason Street does return this season. We do get to see what became of our beloved original quarterback. And I'm I'm really interested, Darren, to hear your thoughts, but I know we also talked to Scott Porter, who kind of felt like Jason maybe kind of got the best ending of any character, which is really interesting. You know, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again. He, in my mind, Jason won. Like, you know, everybody in that town is so worried about winning football games, but when it really comes down to it, he he won the biggest prize of all. He, he grew up, he got out, he has a wife that he loves and he's got kids and he's got a great job and he succeeded when the deck was so stacked against him 
And that is only, you know, a testament to his fortitude. And, you know, of course he had support around him, but, you know, he had to fight through everything and had to overcome so much. And, you know, I think it was a perfect ending for Jason. And I think kind of seeing him come back, uh, you know, in that final season was just kind of to put a period on that this is where he ended up. This is how successful he is. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Darren, how do you feel about that? Do you agree? I, I, as usual, I think Scott Porter is totally spot on. I mean, like, you know, Jason Street has a great wife. He has, uh, you know, a great kid. I just think that, and again, this is why thinking about some of the characters who returned this season and the maybe kind of different different routes that they take. You know, it's great to see Jason in this way. The moment between him and Coach where they're kind of talking is so lovely. You're very aware that, like, this is probably, like, one of the few good points in the coach's career. I mean, so much of his career is dealing with like bureaucratic insanity and Dylan and just all these things that always seem to go wrong. And so to get to sort of have a conversation like this with someone who's made it and not made it like, you know, now I'm a big time star, but made it like, I'm like a grown up man. I'm, I'm a like grown person who turned out okay. Like, I just think there's something really lovely in, in that moment. Um, I love the fact that we get a very brief scene where him and Vince are together. And to me, that's just kind of a great, like, generational moment. I do like, though, how, um, again, the show is just very careful in its storytelling uh, this season more than ever. You know, Jason comes back, says hi to the coach, you know, meets Vince, looks around. But at the big Dylan versus East Dylan game, he's over giving a pump-up speech at Dylan. I mean, he's, he's a panther, and I, I like that. I like how the show, like, you know, as much as some other characters come over to the Lions, there's, a, there's just an awareness that, no, like, he's one of the all-time great Panthers. He has to be over there. Clearly, he's probably not too happy about how that game plays out, but uh, I like it a lot. You sort of mentioned, Sam, that you sort of wish there had been some kind of a moment between Jason and Tim, and uh, fortunately enough, we now have that moment to a certain extent, because when we talked to Scott Porter, he sort of gave us his own interpretation of how that conversation might have played out. You want to know what it is? He gets the ball. Riggins is like, Streeter, uh, got some problems down here. Could use a little help. What did you do this time? Oh, I'm in jail. What the hell? What have you done? Like, it, it, that's the relate. That's the that's the conversation they have. I think at some point Jason always knew that Riggins was going to end up in jail. Just a matter of, uh, you know, I don't think Street thinks any differently of him. You know, you got to remember Street was around actually when they were started stealing copper wire and stuff. So he know he knew that Tim was a special kind of screw up, but. He always loved him in spite of it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's how that conversation goes. We'll have to save that for season six. Uh, Sam, let's talk about uh, the two people that we always have to talk about because they're the greatest two people on the face of the planet. Coach Eric Taylor, Tammy Taylor. Uh, this is a really interesting season for both of them. Um, this is a season where they both get big job offers. Like I said, folders mm -hmm. full of destiny come for both of them. <laughs> 
the coach gets his own sort of offer from Shane State down in Florida. Florida's looking good. Florida's looking very fancy. They have that great looking house. It's sort of I, I, I love that moment where there's that there's that moment of them looking at the house they would have down in Florida. It's a great callback to way back in the pilot. His and her. What is it? His and her. Uh, his and her closets. His and her closets. His and her closets. Definitely would have had his and her closets in that house. Uh, he turns down that job, and immediately afterwards, Tammy gets an incredible job offer from a school in uh, beautiful Philadelphia, where it's always sunny. Um, you know, I having this as the sort of final moment between the two of them, or having it as, as the, the sort of final crisis that they have to kind of deal with, I think it's really, really interesting and really compelling and just really kind of cuts to the core of the show. I mean, like, how do you kind of feel about how their sort of dynamic plays out right here as we sort of start winding down the show, Sam? Yeah, it really is. The more I look at this season as a whole, they kind of took some risks for a final season to go to such dark places with Tim Riggins, to really have Eric and Tammy clash in a real way for the first time ever. It's, you would almost think that with a final season, they would be so concerned with kind of wrapping things up in a lovely way, which of course we can talk about how they do that next week. But they just told the stories they wanted to tell and I mean, it worked because it was the side of their marriage that I think we hadn't seen. I can go back and forth about seeing Eric's side, seeing Tammy's side. It was very interesting for me as a viewer to watch this unfold because I did and do love this relationship so much. So I really appreciate, and I think one of the things that makes this such a great final season is that they weren't going to go out with a whimper. This is a show where they were going to tackle the issues they wanted to tackle, regardless of if there was another season, which I believe at this point they knew that this was the end. So this was a very conscious decision. Totally. I mean, it, it just feels like in a way that very few shows ever want to, right here at the end, the show seems to really be just kind of pressing its characters and even really asking, you know, forcing them to ask kind of like, what, what's this all been for? And like, you know, what has all this meant? And I think it's so great that the show has never, I don't think, really underlined the idea that Tammy was somehow like a long-suffering person, quite the opposite. Like from the beginning, she was someone mm -hmm. who had this incredibly active role on the show. You know, like in the original Friday Night Lights book, there's this sort of uh, line about how um, Coach Gaines, the real-life coach of the Permian Panthers, basically just, like, said goodbye to his family once football season started. And, like, that was never what the show was going to do. The show was always going to have this central dynamic as, as an important foundation for the show. And yet, you know, there's that great moment where she just says, like, you know, I've, I've been a coach's wife for 18 years, and, you know, we've moved for your job so many times. Again, just, just minor note, they've moved for their job many times times they're definitely not from dylan why does the show sometimes think they're from dylan i don't know it, it, it's definitely a flashpoint it's definitely a flashpoint um but there's just that there's just that great you know there's there's, there's kind of great sense of like like all right eric like as much as we've been equals like how much have i supported you and you know mm -hmm. when he gets back from hearing what the board's decision was and says that, you know, he has a job offer, and it's just great delivery. I mean, like, Kyle Chandler also directed that episode along with just giving a great performance in it, and his delivery is just so great. He's saying, yeah, like, I have a dream job at the Dylan Panthers. He sounds miserable, and then she in turn says, like, I'm going to just tell you the grace. I'm, I'm going to have the grace to tell you something you didn't tell me, which is congratulations, and I just love 
there's just a, a beautiful delicacy to how the show is kind of, as you say, Sam, like, what is the right answer here? Uh, Tammy has that great line where she says, like, I, I want the East Old Lions to still exist, and I want this job. And she seems very aware, like, there's no right answer here. There's no obvious route to take. And I just think that that's really bold for the show. And, man, like, the end of episode 12... It's great how the show, right at the end, too, comes back around to the idea that Buddy Garrity is, like, kind of the devil on Eric's shoulder again. And, you know, we've, <laughs> we've learned to love him so much. We've learned to see that he can be a sort of a good parent, and certainly him and Buddy Jr. this season, we learned a lot about that. Nevertheless, it's a side of him that's kind of like, hey, Eric, hey, Eric, like, come on back. Like, it's like he's, it's, it's, it's like he's a pusher or something, and I like that. And that moment where Buddy comes in with the boosters... And Tammy just kind of, you know, just says 18 years. Like, I, I, I think that's a really, you know, it's not dark like characters are dying dark, but it just feels like the show's willing to go to that kind of cavern at some core sub-basement of this marriage that is super awesome and also leaves you off in that last episode feeling as low as you've probably ever felt watching the show. <laughs> I love that you keep bringing up that moment, too, because when we talked to Connie Britton, she, too, kind of noted that as a very pivotal moment for her character. And she also spoke a little bit just about the season five fight in general. There were so many cool things that we got to do. Like, um, there's a scene in where all the coaches come over and they're trying to... I, I, don't, I don't think I have the facts of this right, but basically they're trying to convince coach that he needs to stay or whatever and um it was a long scene that was an example where it was kind of a long sort of a a relatively long scene and we ended up taking out basically all the words and all I did was look at him I let them all in the door and I say you know and you know let them all come in and sit down and then I looked at him and I said something like you know 16 years or whatever like and that was, the, we made the whole scene just like me looking at him and being like 16 years. And then I go in and basically offer the men tea, you know, iced tea. And, you know, and it was like, we, we loved to see how you could do so much. You could tell so much story with so little language, you know, with so few words. Um, and that was, that was an example of that. You know, the fight between the tailors comes at a moment where there's a big rift in the town that comes right back to the fore. Season 12 is when we see that incredible meeting with, you know, West Dillon and East Dillon having this loud argument. It feels very like, show me a hero. Like, it's just like, this is American democracy at its most miserable extreme, and it's just people yelling at each other. I think that it's really tough to rank the playings of Devil Town. But upon rewatch, this this might have taken over. I'm not sure anything can beat the season one finale, but this comes really close because the season one finale is triumphant to a certain extent. And this moment with all of our East Dillon players just reacting to the news that the East Dillon Lions, this thing that they have built together is just being destroyed. Um, I just, you know, every cut the camera makes from Vince to Luke to the coach to tinker, I think I think tinker is really when I kind of lose it because it's just this sad sense of like, I mean, man, like they've worked so hard and just in a moment it's all taken away from them. And I, I think that's, again, Sam, to think about, you know, what you were saying, how this season 
takes these chances. That's a bold thing to do at the end of this season when you've seen these guys build themselves up so much. Just kind of see it just kind of wiped away. I find that to be just one of the gut-wrenching parts of this season. I totally agree. And that's why I feel like we talked about, when we talked about season four, the reason it felt a little different from maybe the first couple seasons, which were obviously Panther-centric, was that in building this football team, they were invigorating a community. They were breathing a life back into something that had died. And so to watch them not only achieve everything they could have wanted and suddenly East Dillon is not only a great football team, but it's a great town and everyone's rallying around one another. And to watch that just get ripped away from these people is, I mean, like one of the saddest things I think this show does. Sure, there's still going to be a football team, blah, blah, blah. You can say all that you want. And and it's not to say that, you know, the effects of everything they've done no longer exist. It's still great. They have made great strides. This is, you know, a very different town than it was before they kind of reinvigorated all of this. But it truly, like, broke my heart. But, you know, obviously, I think just plot-wise was a great plot point in terms of getting the tailors to where they eventually go. But really is, like, one of the sadder things this show does. Yeah, I think it's just... So moving. And again, like, you know, th this season takes a, a winding road to get there to a certain extent. Uh, you know, there's, you know, we're not going to talk too much about Epic or about uh, Hanson Mycroft, whoever Gray Damon plays. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a fine actor, but it's just like he, he gets so much time in that first episode that doesn't really pay off. Um, Buddy Jr. is great, mainly because that actor looks so much like uh, Brad Leland. It yes. is astonishing. Um, but, you know, for me, like, this season really kind of finds itself, uh, episode five of this season, I think might be my favorite episode of the season, uh, of the series ever. I'm going there, Sam. I'm going there with the superlatives, because we're almost at the end here, where it's just them on this away game, and it's, you know, our main kind of lions have that great moment of, like, going out and celebrating and, like, branding themselves, and there's great moments in that episode that are just so character specific and it's like you know the coach kind of getting too drunk and calling up tabby and she's having a ball with her teacher friend and for me mm -hmm. from there through the finale there's just this great sense of like we know these characters so well and the show knows them so well and where it leaves off in the penultimate episode at this moment of crisis for everybody i, I think it's just really remarkable and i'm, I'm excited to, to dive deep into the finale next week uh, we're, we're giving a whole episode to the series finale we could do two episodes frankly because there's so much to, <laughs> to chew on but uh, we'll try to limit ourselves so um, but uh, i'm definitely excited to dig into that uh everybody if you want to chat at us on twitter but have some great conversations on social media she's at sam Highfill. i'm at darren franich if you want to email us, because we love reading long emails about people who have any theories about the show. No one's challenged the Flashpoint theory yet, by the way. It's still out there. Uh, you can email oh, us at binge at ew.com. And hey, while you're at it, Sam, people can subscribe to us on iTunes. They right can? Now. They can. I know. It's shocking. The year is 2017. Uh, you, can you can subscribe <laughs> on iTunes. Give us a rate and a review. Uh, we've been doing some posts on the website. Uh, it's breaking off some of our great conversations we've had with the cast and people who produced Friday Night Lights. And uh, Sam, I I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to probably be crying during our finale episode next week as we talk about the Friday Night Lights series finale. <laughs> Hope you guys don't mind some sniffles. <laughs>